The information provided in this show is intended for your general knowledge only and is not intended to be, nor is it, medical advice or a substitute for medical advice. If you have or suspect you have a specific medical condition or disease, please consult your health care provider. Now listening to The Health Hero Show with Tim James. <laughs> What's up, health heroes? Tim James here, founder of ChemicalFreeBody.com and your host, For the show that simplifies and demystifies how to live an energetic life with a flat belly. So if you're into a healthy gut and staying young, then this is the show for you. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here with another exciting episode of the Health Hero Show. Today I've got in for a second time, Dr. Brian Artis. And this time, um, it's just you. No Ben Marble today. (laughs) Didn't have anybody else flying in. You you just flew in. You just got back from Chicago, right? I did. Just got back from the Trinity Health Expo in uh, Chicago and from the Reawaken Tour in Miami. Awesome. Well, guys, the reason why I wanted to have Dr. Artis back on again, it's kind of a cool story. Um, as you guys know, he was on uh, uh, Health Hero Show here quite a while back. It was episode um, 84, actually, if you want to go back. And the title was How Hospital Protocols Are Killing Us. And, uh, you know, he kind of ex- he told his backstory back then about um, why he got into becoming a, a doctor. It was his his sister was sick. Um, I believe she had uh, systemic lupus. That's right. And you, um, after you know, she was supposed to just kind of, you know, deteriorate and die basically at a young age. And uh, you helped her figure that. Out. You found out it was a parasitic infection, I believe. We did. And got her cleared up with some stuff, and now she's doing fine, right? And got a whole family full of four kids. She was promised she would never have. Yeah, she wasn't supposed to have kids, so now she has. So. And then after you solved your um, about 11 years of uh, being a full, full-fledged full chiropractor and helping people, and then once you finally helped your sister heal herself, you were kind of done. You wanted to retire, and um, and then you got thrown into this whole COVID thing. And I, before we get into your story, because I want you to go back to your father-in-law and tell that story quickly and give the background on remdesivir again to remind, uh, especially new people that might not have been exposed to your, what your work was originally, how you got into doing what you're doing now. But guys, this this... That what we're going about to share with you today is like it's one of the most exciting, mind blowing uh, bits of information that I've ever shared with you. Like it's it's literally going to explain everything. You're going to know pretty much everything about like what COVID really is. You won't be and you know and then solutions. You can actually have solutions and you know where the problem is. We're, we're going to literally show you where the problem lies and how you can not have to worry about COVID ever again. And stop being fear-mongered too. And so um, very excited to have Dr. Um, Artisan. So in, in this episode, you know, I've asked a few times, like in my, in my writing my little, uh, you know, metadata and all that stuff that goes along with the show and the show notes, like, you know, please share this episode. You know, we do. If, we, if, if you find an episode and something resonates with you or it's like, wow, this I, did, I really had no idea that, you know, heart disease, uh, cholesterol was like a vitamin B deficiency you might want to share that with your uncle who's got high heart disease and he's on a bunch of statin drugs and he's had high cholesterol his whole life or whatever. So yeah, passing those on. But this is an episode like this affects everybody. And I literally want you guys to arm up with this one and push this one out as much as you possibly can. Okay. Make that, get that. I'm asking for a commitment here. And, and this is how working class people actually take action. Bottoms up, boots on the ground, belly to belly, person to person. You can actually text this stuff. You can share it to your page. However you want to get it out there, email it to your friends, get it on your list. Because people need to have this information. I think when Brian and I get done talking today, you're going to understand very clearly, like again, what COVID is, maybe why it was put out there, and we kind of know why. And um, and again, giving you solutions so you never have to live in fear again. 
All right. So, Brian, when you go, let's go back to you just retired and and your father-in-law in the hospital. What was going on? Yeah, in 2018, I felt the impression for a couple of years it was time to retire from practice and then go off and educate people in the design of nutritional products I wanted to create based on my years of clinical experience with nutrition and compiling herbs, minerals, homeopathics, vitamins, you know, for a lot of issues from around the world that people were coming to me for. So in 2018, I retired, set out to actually create some natural products. I was going to start an artistlabs.com company, which I did. But I launched that in January of 2020 after spending a year of developing certain for formulations for a hormonal imbalance that leads to acne in human beings. And I happened to have four teenagers at the time I retired who all had a little bit of acne. And they asked me, hey, dad, I know you have fixed all these people's problems for with health for the last 20 years. Can you help us heal our acne? And I was like, well, I got time now. Let's do it. So I started sourcing ingredients from around the world, did a clinical trial 10 months later in October of 2019 and saw miraculous results with cystic acne, the worst cases I've ever seen. I wanted the worst to see what we could do. And it was incredible what the power of natural medicine in the form of herbs and minerals did to clear these uh, individual skins, both teenagers and adults. So that's what I did. And I launched that in January of 2020, that company and my artist acne line of all natural uh, acne products. And then February 2020 comes and my father-in-law walks himself into a hospital complaining of fever and a headache. The hospital diagnosed him with the flu and then they admitted him. The very next day we're called and told that he's now in acute kidney failure and has developed pneumonia. Day three, we're now told that he has worsening acute kidney failure and worsening pneumonia. Day four, he's going in and out of consciousness, supposedly. Pneumonia is getting worse. Uh, he's really failing, and he's 91 years old at the time, living independently, no assisted living whatsoever. He uh, On day five, we're called and told that he's now unconscious completely and has been put on a breathing apparatus to help him breathe, being vented. Uh, and that's when I went up to the hospital for the first time. And my wife and I went up there to see him. And that's when we found out that uh, he was actually being administered intravenously a drug called vancomycin. Now, vancomycin is a very toxic antibiotic that has a published side effect of a high percentage of elderly people will develop acute kidney failure within 24 hours. When I got there on day five, I realized this is hanging on the IV stand. This was after hours with the doctors. It was in the evening. So I asked the nurse's station, uh, what time did the doctors come back? They said the next morning. So I came back the next morning. Uh, he was unconscious anyway, so we left, came back the next morning. Next morning, doctor shows up. I quiz him about that vancomycin, and he says that my father-in-law has been on the drug since day one. And that's when I lit him up. And I told him, you know, that drug causes acute kidney failure. Why have you been calling us for the last six days, telling us he's getting into worse kidney failure since the time you walked in here, as if y'all didn't know why? Get him off that drug. And uh, he tried to tell me that he couldn't do that and that he needed to talk to administrators and the other physicians that were attending and the nurses. I said, I don't care what you do. Show me the rest of all of his medical tests. Show me all of his pathology results, x-rays for the last six days. And Tim, this is where I learned that actually on day one, he never tested positive for the flu. He never tested positive for pneumonia. He also never tested positive for it on day two, three, four, or five. So there was no evidence that he actually had the flu or pneumonia we had been called about for six days now that he had every day. So I asked him, why did you diagnose him with the flu? He told me, this is his answer. We thought it was a false 
negative test. And I said, regardless of what you thought, why did you put him on it? If you diagnose him with a virus because you thought the test was inaccurate, why did you put him on an antibiotic that only treats bacteria if you thought it was a virus called the flu? And his answer, Tim, and this is very important for everybody worldwide, the answer was out of his mouth, that's hospital protocol for the flu. And Dr. Artis, that's not the only antibiotic he's on. We put him on three on day one. That's the hospital protocol for the flu. And I was like, dude, the CDC, I said what I said, dude, the CDC says it is counterintuitive and will cause worse outcomes if you give an antibiotic to someone who's diagnosed with a viral infection. And he said, well, this is hospital protocol. And I said, well, get him off that drug. Uh, anyway, so this is what happens. I tell him, I tell him to show me the medication schedule because I don't believe him when I asked him, do you have him on Lasix drugs to make him urinate since he's been in here, since he's in acute kidney failure? And he said, yes, every single day we've had him on Lasix. I said, now just so y'all know, if you want to know who Dr. Artis is, I don't believe anything a medical doctor says unless they show me. So I go just like this. I don't believe you. Show me. Show me that you're giving him Lasix every single day. Show me medication schedule day one, two, three, four, five. So he does. And Tim, to his dismay and his uh, embarrassment, Lasix was only given to him on day three for 20 milligrams. There was none on day one, none on day two, none on day four, none on day five, none on day six. Yet he just lied to my face and my wife's face and said, we're giving it to him every day. So I looked at him and I said, why'd you lie to me? He's been here a week under your care. Why did you just lie to me? And he turns around, goes out to the nurse's station. And within one minute, a nurse comes running in, hooks up an IV of Lasix, and Tim, for four hours straight, they administered Lasix into his veins. He peed out 20 pounds of water weight. He was able to breathe on his own. He came off the vent an hour or five after starting the Lasix. He peed out 20 pounds in four hours. The next hour, he wakes up. They take him off the vent. He's now conscious again. We were told he was ne probably never going to wake up, that the pneumonia was going to be his demise and his death, uh, when in fact it wasn't pneumonia to begin with. It was actually pulmonary edema, and I had them show me the x-rays. He did not have pneumonia. Every day he had pulmonary edema, water filling up in his lungs one day after another. They were physically drowning him to death. On day six is when I change all these protocols. He wakes up. We go home happy that he's now alive and he's doing better. That night, uh, 10 o'clock at night, my wife gets a phone call from the nurse's station saying that the doctors had called her and the administrators had called her, the nurse, to call my wife and tell her, they would no longer talk to me at that hospital, her husband, me, Dr. Artis. They were, they were never going to talk to me again and that they were changing the hospital protocol from what we had changed it to working together that day that brought him back to life. They said the administrators and the doctors have told the nurse's station we're going back on the old protocol right now and they're refusing and the hospital will not talk to Dr. Artis ever again because he's not a blood relative. Well, the next morning I showed up there as my wife cried all night long, feeling like the hospital was intentionally trying to kill their dad, I go up there, challenge the doctors. The doctors kicked me out by security. Uh, I told the family, if you let them kick me out of here, uh, they will put him on palliative care in the next 72 hours, and they will kill him in front of you and euthanize him. And they did just that. 72 hours later, uh, the, Jane's, all, Jane's the youngest in her family. All the older siblings and her mother all said, we have to trust the medical doctors. They know more than we do because they're not health professionals of any kind. And that's when I was escorted out of the building for the next three days. And they killed him on a overdose of morphine for four and a half hours, three days later. As a result of that, three months later is when I uh, am watching interviews out of New York City. 
And this is where you hear the reports coming out of New York in May of 2020 about all the people dying in hospitals in New York from this new COVID-19 pneumonia and their bodies. There's so many bodies. They don't even have enough people to take them to funerals. They're just throwing bodies into tractor trailers. Each interview of the doctors and hospital administrators said the same thing. All of them quoted the same thing as if it was a script. We have never seen a virus do this before. That was a respiratory virus. We've never seen a virus go from the lungs and within 24 hours go to the kidneys and shut down the kidneys and cause acute kidney failure like this coronavirus does so called COVID. And I went just like this. As I'm watching him, I'm like, of course a virus doesn't do that. Nothing goes from your lungs directly into your kidneys. Nothing does that. Nothing in the entire history of man has ever done that. Unless someone took a spear, shoved it through your lungs, and then punctured a kidney with it. That's the only way you got something directly from the lungs into your kidneys. It doesn't work that way. So I'm watching this, and I'm like, every interview, and I'm like, oh, my God. They are killing these people in hospitals by causing acute kidney failure, just like they did my father-in-law three months earlier, except I thought they were giving vancomycin to the COVID-19 patients. And this is what led to my discovery on the CDC's website, then the NIH's website, that the hospital protocol for COVID-19 patients in May of 2020, May 1st to be exact, is when Dr. Anthony Fauci put a memo on the NIH and sent it all out to every hospital in America and said, you hospitals in America can only use one experimental drug called remdesivir that he quoted in the memo was proven safe and effective against the Ebola virus in 2019 in a study. And then it was found safe and effective against the COVID-19 virus in January, March, January through March of 2020 in a different study. So me being retired and just being angry and depressed about my father-in-law's death for the last three months at this point, I decided to read the highlighted research studies that Anthony Fauci had in the memo, only to discover that remdesivir was not found to be safe and effective against the coronavirus. No, it was found to actually cause 31% of people that got it to have serious life-threatening symptoms of these multiple organ failure, acute kidney failure, septic shock, and hypotension, all lethal. And then 10% of everybody that ever got that drug for COVID had to have emergency kidney transplant surgeries before the completed dosing of 10 days. So these, some of these people had to come off of it. 10% of people couldn't even take the 10 days worth of the drug because their kidneys died from the drug and had to have transplants. Yeah, remdesivir is, very, rem, remdesivir is very toxic. It's deadly. They stopped using it, right? Yep. In fact, in the Ebola trial, uh, six months into that trial, the safety board pulled remdesivir from the trial because of the four experimental drugs in Africa. It was the only drug that had a higher than 50% mortality rate. It killed 53% of everybody that got that drug, or at least 53% of everybody that got that drug died. So yeah. it was the most of all the drugs. Therefore, the independent safety board pulled it from the trial and didn't even let it continue. What's interesting is, is Anthony Fauci funded that study. That means the board that reviewed the safety data would have notified him in August of 2019 that it was the most deadly toxic drug in that trial. Then in May, 10 months later, he lied to the whole world, put it in print that it was found to be safe and effective against the Ebola virus. I'd like to know how these I mean, people can make such bold-faced lies 24-7 to a major amount of people and never get in trouble. I have no idea how this happens. Well, it's quite interesting how it's when you, when you just, you, you, you don't even have to dig that much on this stuff. Like nope. it just, and that's what I want to do. I want, yeah. So what I want to do is like, so you found out, you know, remdesivir is very toxic. 
31% of people are getting it or, 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 or getting severe reactions to it. They're dying. Right. Yep. And, um, and then they bring this out and say, it's the most best thing. This is all we're going to use in our hospital protocols. And eventually it actually got to where they're now, uh, for our children, they want healthy kids. I mean, the lies just don't end the lies about the mass, the lies about the lockdowns. Now vaccines are safe and our kids need it when they're pretty much, um, they don't get it all. They're, their immune system is fine. Yeah. So that day I read those, uh, those actual memo on the NIH's website. This was like May 18th, 2020, somewhere in that week, it, that same day I hired a publicist out of Washington, DC. And I told my wife, I said, if I couldn't save your dad, I'm going to see how many American lives I can save from being killed in hospitals. So for four months straight, I just did interviews all day long from my kitchen counter or sorry, from my dining room table. And I did 40 to 50 interviews every week for 16 weeks straight. And then I quit thinking I was done and my conscience was clear. Hopefully there was enough data out there. And man, have I, was I shocked to find out how the world responded to those interviews. Uh, I've been in, I guess, 18 to 20 different state Capitol buildings in the United States, testify, asked to testify before senators, state representatives, audiences, and lay people on the hospital protocols, the injuries of the COVID-19 vaccines, what's being published, how to handle telling the actual legislators in every state how to handle their medical boards and pharmaceutical boards because they were punishing doctors from prescribing anything but remdesivir. So it was a very heavy lift. Uh, we've been very involved for three and a half years. I'm known as the remdesivir guy worldwide. Anytime there's expert witnesses needed in court cases now around the country, I'm being contacted. I'm providing all the research. I will be testifying on their behalf. When those uh, courts ever go before a jury, I will actually be there to actually testify to all the documents. I'm the one providing all that to lawyers around the country and around the world, being deposed all the time on all the information and documentation. But yeah, it's been a very, uh, very heavy lift, but uh, very exciting at the same time to try to save lives. And hopefully the information was able to save as many lives as I have people tell me that it has. Uh, we never know how far our efforts go to actually uh, bring life or save lives around the world. Uh, well, education is key, man. It is completely 100%. So that's who I education. am. That's how I got involved. That's why I got involved. And uh, it's been uh, one big involvement ever since. Okay, so this is that's the so backstory again. Looking at Doctor Artis, he gets into the medical industry, basically, and in chiropractic industry, natural healing industry to help heal his sister. Gets that accomplished, sets down. Something happens to his father-in-law. Feels like his father-in-law got murdered. It's pretty point blank in the hospital. Um, discovers that uh, remdesivir is a toxic uh, drug that had failed, and was brought in and told us that it wasn't toxic and it was uh, rock star. It was going to help everybody. And actually part of the problem. So as part of these protocols, like going to the hospital and I, and guys, I've, I can't even tell you how many nurses on, you know, on the show and off the show I've talked to that are leaving by the boatloads from, from being a nurse in hospitals because of what they're saying. They say, I just can't be a part of this anymore. And these are just hardworking gals and a few, a few guys I've talked to and they're not bullshitting. Like, and it's just one after another, after another. And they just like, I can't do it. Like we, we're, we're literally killing people. And it's it's just this mind bend because you can't even imagine that when you go to a hospital, that's the place that's going to help you. The emergency rooms are about the only thing that you'd want to go in there for. And you better have a patient advocate with you that, that it's a strong-willed uh, person because otherwise you're going to get swept up, you know, in the system. You have a good chance of that. In fact, even before COVID, you had a five, just going to a hospital, you had a 5% chance of dying from something else 
unrelated to what you went in there for. Think about that. 5% of people died of something else, whether it was an infection or a misdiagnosis. I've, I've heard, I mean, people make mistakes, but it's kind of sucks when you, you're going to get your leg operated on and they operate on your arm. Like that stuff happens. Like what happened to my arm? My leg, you're supposed to operate on. So there's human error. But what we're going to get into now that we're going to, this is the bigger story. So again, that was the background for Dr. Artis. So now um, I get an inv invitation to this kind of a freedom event deal over in Baker City, Oregon. I'm, and this guy's like, oh, yeah, Tim, we're going to be, aren't you in Oregon? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, we're going to Baker. I'm like, dude, that's 45 minutes from my place. I'll come over and see you guys. And then when I go over there, guess who's there? Brian's there. Dr. Artis is over there. And so he had been on my show, like I said, a couple years ago. And then I was just on his show a few months ago. And um, so we ended up having dinner and got really talking and he, basically uh then broke the news about what we're gonna release right here so let's get into what covid really is and then we'll get into solutions yes yeah, works really well and uh very excited to be here it was great to hang out with you in oregon and baker city what's up baker right. city that was a great event and uh <laughs> it was a lot of fun so and i will say this like you guys gotta have an open mind here and let all this data sink in because as soon as you don't just run off and go oh no, because if you stick around and you hear this and you see all the points and it's it's undeniable. It's like a, it's, there's no way that this isn't what's going on. It's point. Yeah, one. this is this this can be. And I will tell you in Chicago this weekend, I did uh, two presentations. I was asked to speak at the VIP dinner and I was the only speaker there for the dinner. So all the people that came, I did that presentation. Then I did another presentation on Sunday and I had people walking up to me saying, Dr. Artis, I had never heard that about COVID. I can't believe it, Tim. What I'm about to tell the whole, your audience is right now. I was so shocked that there was anybody that was even at an event that had not heard what I've been educating people on. But after, even after just watching it, these presentations an hour each, these individuals were walking up to me going, oh my God, everything finally makes sense. And I had never heard this stuff before. And Truth be told, nobody's watching all people's interviews. We can't be following everybody on the entire Earth's podcast, rallies, uh, testimonies, and Capitol buildings. There's yeah. so many people speaking out all the time. So there's no way that I've ever believed everybody's heard everything I've ever said. So, uh, well, for plus your you're being shadow, you're be being great. shadow banned. Uh, it's like true. It's totally shadow banned. All that you know, Facebook, Instagram, you know, YouTube. That's you're not, sure. you know, you're not getting out there at all on those those platforms. So yeah, so. What if everything that you were told, audience members, what if everything you've ever been told about COVID-19 was a lie? And I mean, all of it. What about, what if the virus itself was a lie? What if the vaccines actually weren't there to prevent you from getting the SARS-CoV-2 virus? What if you actually found out that on the NIH's website right now, they say they never even put the SARS-CoV-2 virus in the COVID-19 shots? Then my question for you would be is, well, what did they put in there? Because they told you you needed to get a shot to prevent getting SARS-CoV-2 viruses in the future or variants and have worse and least worse outcomes. Well, what if everything you were told was a lie? What if you were told that this was an air pathogen and to wear a mask and all of us did it because they told us to? But what if it actually wasn't in the air? What if it was actually in your water? What if it was actually in your food? I mean... None of us sitting in the audience right now for Tim James's audiences, none of you, I'm confident, worked in a lab to create this COVID-19 virus. I'm confident none of you created the COVID-19 vaccines. I'm confident none of you listening to this created the propaganda of fear-mongering 
leading to social distancing, masking, uh, individuals sitting outside of their their relatives' assisted living homes, talking to them through a glass window. I'm sure it was none of y'all's ideas to say that stuff to the world. So anyone in the audiences who professes to know exactly what COVID-19 is, what the SARS-CoV-2 virus is, you must have manufactured it yourself because no one's ever actually produced the SARS-CoV-2 virus in real life. They've had computer modeling to tell you this is what we think it's made out of, but uh, there's only been specific DNA testing of a part of this COVID-19 narrative that he, that actually answers every single symptom cause for COVID, every long hauler COVID symptom of COVID, every death outcome from COVID, every symptom injury diagnosis that has come from the COVID-19 vaccines are all answered with what I'm about to tell you. And there's nothing else that answers it like this. Nothing. You can try. You can make up something whimsical you read in a paper, but nothing you can apply actually has the answers to like this does. So where does it all start? So as I'm gallivanting around the world, uh, being known as the remdesivir guy, testifying against the hospital protocols all over the world every single day, I get a text from a medical doctor named Dr. Richard Bartlett. And it's December 1st, 2021. So two years into this pandemic, I get this text. Hey, Dr. Artis, if you got bit by a rattlesnake, would you go to a hospital and get anti-venom? And I looked at this text and I thought, this is a medical doctor working in an ER in Odessa, Texas. And I thought, what in the world does this have to do with COVID? And the reason why I thought that was this guy and I are always on stages somewhere each month talking about COVID. He's known as the budesonide guy. He's the guy that talked about the inhalers that could actually cure COVID patients, 100% of them. And then Oxford did two studies confirming an over 95% success rate using just budesonide against COVID sick patients. So it was actually backed up, even though they destroyed it. Like, just like an, old, it's like an old steroid. It was really cheap. Anybody can get their hands on nebulized. I remember talking about that. I remember Richard Bartlett. He was, he at the time, he had like 60 patients he treated with 100% efficacy, which was pretty good. Yep. Not too bad. Not too bad. So uh, this guy sent me this text December 21st. Hey, Dr. Artis, if you got by, bit by a rattlesnake, would you go get antivenom at a hospital? <laughs> I was like, what in the world does it got to do with COVID? My very next thought was, of course I would, Dr. Bartlett. If I got bit by a rattlesnake, I'm definitely going to an ER. <laughs> so this is obviously a rhetorical question. Why would you ask me this question? So my next thought was, without responding to him, was why would you send me this question? Because that's all it said. So he, he, him knowing me knew that I would dive into research to figure out why he sent me that question. What I learned in five minutes, Tim, going online was that anti-venom for snake bites, I didn't know this, but 90% of all anti-venom used worldwide, if a person gets bit by a snake and they get to any center or medical institution around the world, they're going to inject you with monoclonal antibodies as the anti-venom. I just didn't know that monoclonal antibodies was antivenom. I had no idea. But monoclonal antibodies at this point in COVID-19's narrative and history, monoclonal antibodies almost had a 100% success rate in treating COVID-19 patients all over the country. And two months after Richard Bartlett sent me that text, the FDA banned monoclonal antibodies for being used against all COVID cases in every state in the United States and every jurisdiction and territory. Okay, so just to break it down, monoclonal antibodies are ant snake antivenom 
Okay, that's number one. And number when one. you treated somebody for COVID with monoclonal antibodies, which is then all their symptoms were gone. 100% okay, so, success rate by all people using it throughout the country and i knew tons of doctors doing and it. then and then when they had something that worked it got take it gets the fda took it off it was actually working and helping hard class working, working. People. okay all right so Good so richard bartlett sent this to me because i had talked negatively about monoclonal antibodies on an info wars interview with alex jones and i just was ripping into these six studies i just said look i would never trust monoclonal antibodies because of these studies these actual studies said that the monoclonal antibodies they were using against covid were extracted from cancer cells of the spleens of pigs. So I was like, why would I? I don't care if this cured anything acutely. I would be more worried about the long-term possible cancer-causing side effects of injecting cancer cells into my body. However, Richard Bartlett sends me this text, and it was to get me to stop talking negatively about monoclonal antibodies because he knew that if he could just give me a scenario where I'd go, well, that makes sense. Yeah, if I got bit by a rattlesnake, I would go get antivenom. I just didn't know what antivenom was. And no one, when you go to the hospital, are they going to tell you, we're going to inject you with monoclonal antibodies? Nope, they're going to tell you, we're going to give you antivenom. Okay, great. And you just take it because that's what they call it. But antivenom, 90% of all antivenom in the whole world is made from monoclonal antibodies. How do they make it? They take snake venom, inject it into a horse. A couple weeks later, they extract the blood out of that horse and they try to isolate the antibodies the horse made against the snake venom, and then they inject that horse antibody inside of you. That's what monoclonal antibodies are, to treat the snake bite. Okay. All right. So the very next thought, though, after I realized, okay, Dr. Bartlett, you're right. I actually would trust monoclonal antibodies in my own life-threatening situation like a rattlesnake bite. That's what he was trying to convey to me because his patients who were coming to him for monoclonal antibodies also thought they were going to die from having COVID. Why would they think that, Tim? Because the mainstream media was telling them, you're going to die from COVID. Yeah, that's what the narrative. It's the narrative, yeah. right? You're going to die. Fear. Most people in hospitals are dying with COVID. No, they're not. They're dying from remdesivir poisoning. You just didn't know that. But they still called it COVID deaths, right? All right, so the very next thought after realizing, yeah, Dr. Bartlett, you're right about the monoclonal antibodies. I didn't know that's what antivenom was. My very next thought, Tim James, was this. So follow my brain, Tim, in the audience. My very next thought was this. Wait a minute. If monoclonal antibodies are anti-venom for snake bites, why in the world does monoclonal antibodies work 100% of the time, so people are saying, against acute COVID? I thought COVID came from a bat virus. <laughs> this is exactly my brain out loud in my head screaming at me. Why would monoclonal antibodies be working against a bat virus 100% of the time? Well, you sudden, got that information from the media. So that's 100. It was, I sure. just look at the media and I think, you know, it's probably 180 degrees the other direction. It's a complete lie. Whatever they tell you, it's the opposite. <laughs> that's really funny. I think most of us are going to get to that point where everything you hear in the media, you're going to start to realize or at least outright question everything they tell you from the moment they tell you. Oh, that's a lie. And then you got to go figure out if it's a lie or not for yourself. Yeah. You do your own research. All right, so the very first question I had was, is why is monoclonal antibodies working against a bat virus they're calling COVID? And my very next thought after that was, did I miss something in the first five months of COVID? Because I set up a new company called Artist Labs. My father-in-law dies in a hospital. We're handling their estate. Lots of depression, anger, anger issues, me plotting to try to kill a doctor at the hospital and get away with it like they killed my father-in-law over the next three months. 
before I saw the memo of Dr. Anthony Fauci's on the NIH in May of 2020, I didn't pay attention to nothing in the media about COVID-19. I definitely didn't watch the news. I've never watched the news in my whole life. I hate it. It's depressing. So I just don't watch it. I choose not to. Never. So by the time I started seeing these reports coming out of these hospitals in May of 2020, I hadn't seen anything. By then, all you're hearing about is a bat virus. So all I wanted to know was, is did I miss something in the first five months of COVID? What did they discuss? In my head, this is what I said. And then I went online and I wanted to know, what are the origin sources of COVID? And I couldn't believe what I saw. I couldn't believe that in January of 2020, CNN reports snakes could be the origin for the new COVID-19 virus in Wuhan, China. And I remember looking at it going, wait, what? And then I started looking it up. What other animals did they say this could have come from? In every single report, every media outlet from January to April of 2020, it was snakes were being reported were the origin source of COVID. But I had never seen that. I never even heard that. I've never, ever, ever heard snakes were related to COVID. So as I'm reading all these articles, I'm like, wait a minute. And do you want me to show this stuff on the screen? I could show you or show the audiences unless you're going to send sure. them something. Well, most people are listening audio, but we can put it on the, let me just, uh, let me make sure. go ahead and share if you want. Can you share? Yep. I'm sharing right okay, now. Sweet. Oh, actually, let's go to this one file. Can you see the screen? Can you see oh, yeah. Be good. All right. So this is what we're going to show you. This is what pops up, and I had no idea. Oh, actually, this is not what I want to show. Is it? Is it? Is it? I want you to show that Time Magazine thing. I had that pulled up. I was going to share with them, but yeah, look. So this is Time Magazine. And let me open up the whole January eleventh, nineteen ninety nine, guys. Time Magazine, January eleventh, nineteen ninety nine. Special issue. The future, and the title is "The Future of Medicine," and there is a, a double helix wrapped around with a snake on it, and it's you can see our DNA there, and then it, down below it says how. Genetic engineering will change us in the next century. Now, if you just read through that, you might not think much about it, but if you slow down and really look at it, how genetic engineering will change us in the next century. Now, the question that Brian brings up is why, if God made us perfectly, why do we need to be changed? Yeah, find what what's, you need. what's very deceptive is this title of this article the future of medicine. Uh, this is what I say on every stage. You do realize it says the future of medicine. Now, who prescribes medicine, Tim James? Medical doctors. Medical doctors. When you look at Time Magazine's cover, the future of medicine, and who prescribes medicine? Medical MDs. doctors. The future of doctors that are prescribing drugs in the future. The future of their prescriptions are how genetic engineering will change us in the next century future of medicine will be changing our dna in the next century well we're already in the next century so this is january 11th 1999 and the illustration shows that they want the future of medicine is to change our dna to not just be a double-stranded helix that god gave us but one of the double strands converts into what 
in the illustration. Snakes. That was my hiss. So half of your DNA is going to be serpent-like. And my question was, is I thought we were perfect the way we were. Why do we need to be changed? Seems ridiculous. Why are you changing us? I don't want to be changed. It's all good. All right. All right well, so- how do you know, people are probably wondering like snake venom. How do, did everybody run? Nobody got bit. How, how'd they get this stuff? So keep going. Yeah. How, how did, how did it get into everybody, which I know we're going to get to. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to stop sharing that because I'll get lost in all these presentations. All right. So this is what happens. January of 2020, China researchers decide to analyze the antibodies of what's inside the people in Wuhan who are in hospital sick with this new COVID pneumonia. This is in the fall of 2019. They've already been treated and all sent home, but geneticists wanted to know what were they sickened with and what they published in January of 2020. Chinese DNA experts ran the DNA sequences of the antibodies they found at high levels in the blood of these people who had COVID before it was COVID. And they published that what their cells are fighting are the venoms of two snakes. Venom from the Asian crate snake and venom from the king cobra snake. And then they published that the genetic origin of COVID was two snakes. For sure, because of what they call DNA testing by geneticist. If there's any geneticist listening to this, the actual definition and term used is the codon usage bias of the COVID-19 virus is most similar to snakes. So the evolutionary origin that they tested, they wanted to know where did this, what, where did it come from? Well, it came from snakes, these two snakes. So the primary most logical origin for COVID was the crate snake, K-R-A-I-T. Very deadly. Yeah, snake. and I'm reading, it says the, the crate delivers one of the most lethal venoms compared to other Asian snakes. It's one of the deadliest neurotoxic venoms on earth. And guess what its number one symptom is? If it bites a human or another mammal, it creates respiratory failure. Oh, really? Just like COVID. So that's January of 2020. They published the origin of COVID with snakes. And then look it up. Look at the article CNN, January 2020. Snakes are the origin for COVID-19. <laughs> Of the new Wuhan virus is what they call it. CNN. It's pretty ridiculous. So, All right, so yeah, snakes origin. January 2020. Right? Yep. Okay. Got it. Yeah, I'm looking at it right here. Snakes. Uh, read the first sentence. Share screen just so you guys can Actually, see. Read the title know. and then read the first sentence. Yeah, there you go. All right, so it says snakes could be the source of the Wuhan coronavirus outbreak. Yep. And there's the picture of the spike protein. Snakes, the Chinese crate and the Chinese cobra may be the original source of the newly discovered coronavirus that has triggered an outbreak of deadly infectious respiratory illness in China this winter. So this is hmm. why all media outlets now look up this other one. This is really funny. Look up SciTech uh, Daily, S-C-I-T-E-C-H, SciTech Daily. Okay. And then type in these words, snake pneumonia. And their search bar? Sure. <laughs> this top one? Uh, Nope. Let's go down there. You might have to do it on Google. Go to put it in Google. Okay. 
I find this awesome. Oh. I put this up everywhere I go so people can see this. Dietech Daily, and then you said uh, something pneumonia. Up, snake pneumonia. So what I found very interesting was, uh, and I put this up everywhere I go, is that media outlets were publishing in January of 2020. Everything about COVID was related to snakes. Yeah. So look this at the one? first one right there. Yep. So look at the title of their article. Read the title. Snake pneumonia. Coronavirus outbreak in China traced to snakes by genetic analysis. All right. What's the date on that article? Right above the picture. Oh, man. All this stuff is popping up. It is. Where is it? It's right above the picture of the snake. Oh, January 22nd, 2020. Yeah. All right. So all these articles are being published around the world about snakes being the origin of COVID. And the reason being is because DNA experts isolated that the antibodies inside the bodies of people that were sick in Wuhan, China, were identically targeting venom proteins from two snakes, the crate snake and the king cobra. So this is why they started publishing that the origin of COVID was snakes. Well, all of a sudden, Tim, I'm like, oh my God, what do I know? not know about snakes or snake venom? And oh my God, monoclonal antibodies are snake anti-venom? And they work 100% against COVID. And oh my God, they actually mentioned that the origin source of COVID could have been snakes. Oh, holy crap. This is amazing. Okay. Now, France comes April of 2020. This is all on the same day I'm doing this research, by the way. So now I see Chinese DNA experts say the origin of COVID could be two snakes, the crate and the Chinese cobra. Then I go and keep looking. And in April of 2020, French researchers, knowing that DNA experts in China said four months earlier, the origin of COVID is two snakes. These French researchers, who are also DNA experts, are you a DNA expert, Tim? Uh, not not right now. No. I am not either. Are you a geneticist <laughs> right now? Yeah, I'm no. not either. All right, so we're not geneticists. We have to rely on people who are geneticists to do gene testing. All right, so in gene analysis, they're the experts. DNA experts in China said it's two snakes or the origin of COVID. Then DNA experts in France decide after learning about the snake venom connection, they decide they're going to actually just isolate the, the what's called spike protein on the outside of COVID, and they're going to run its DNA sequence. All right, now, Tim, I have a question for you because this is quite funny. Tim, have you, have you heard these discussions that no country has been able to produce the SARS-CoV-2 virus? Yes, I've heard that. Okay, so you've heard that? Have you seen anything to the contrary? No. Okay, so... I have not. Nobody's been able to prove that it's even a virus. Yeah, yeah. so I have this, uh, this, this query with you, Tim. I'd like to know. If these institutions like the Salk Institute, by the way, that created the polio vaccine originally, if the Salk Institute was able to isolate the spike proteins of COVID, where did they get them? Because supposedly the spike proteins are attached to the outside of the virus. Where did they get these spike proteins from? If the virus itself has never been produced, where did they get the spike proteins from? Because French researchers in April of 2020 said they got the two spike proteins and they analyzed its DNA. And do you know what they found? Great and Cobra? Its DNA was identical to King Cobra venom called Cobra toxin, a little piece of the King Cobra's venom and then a small piece of the crate snake's venom called bungarotoxin. And so the French researchers run DNA analysis again, and they figure out the spike proteins of COVID are identical to 
king cobra venom called cobra toxin and the venom of the crate snake called bungaro toxin and then they said it's also very similar to three pieces of the rabies virus in some parts of the spike protein all right so now they've got this now you got two different countries dna experts confirming with dna testing that the spike proteins and covid come from two snakes the same two snakes the French researchers took it a little bit further because they knew that King Cobra's venom called Cobra toxin and Bungaro toxin, when they get inside the, the mammal's body of the prey or you as a human, what they know about these venoms is they do not target ACE2 receptors, which is what everybody's being told is the receptors in your body that the virus is using its spike protein to get inside of your cells with. Everyone said that the ACE2 receptors was like the lock on the outside of the cell. The spike protein was the key, and it unlocked the ACE2 receptor lock to get inside the cells. That is absolutely 100% false. The French researchers in April of 2020 said, knowing that the spike proteins of COVID are two snakes venoms that are neurotoxic, it tells us that this is not a respiratory illness. This is a central nervous system illness because these venoms cross the blood-brain barrier and they target nicotine receptors in the, the mammal's brainstem to suppress their ability to breathe or run away as a prey. And when that venom hits these nicotine receptors, it stops the diaphragm from contracting fully to draw in air. It stops the heart from beating as efficiently as it did before, and it creates hypoxia low oxygen levels in the blood of the victim. Well, Tim, what did everybody with COVID-19 for the first time ever all run to Target, CVS, Walgreens, and purchase little pulse oximeter for the first time ever to put on their finger and watch oxygen levels go down as they're sick with COVID or stay, stay up if they're not sick. This is what these venoms do. These nicotine receptors, by the way, the French DNA researchers said in April of 2020, these venom proteins explain every single symptom of COVID, including loss of taste and smell, tinnitus, brain fog, tachycardia and heart arrhythmias, fevers, chills, you name it. All of them can be explained by these venoms. Well, let's talk this, about these receptors, man, because and this guys, also, this is a very, go ahead, this also explains why they said this explains why finally scientists and medical doctors around the world have been perplexed for four months. Why it is smokers aren't flooding hospitals with COVID. They are the least represented demographic of people on earth showing up sick with COVID. Smokers appear to be immune. And this finally answered why. And this goes to your receptors you're just asking about. Yeah, so I remember quite a few years ago, you know, I learned that I had endocannabinoid receptors in my body all over the place. Lots of them. And so I was like, well, then if God put them there, the universe, then then I'm supposed to get that stuff from my food or dirt. I'm supposed to get it somewhere. Otherwise, I wouldn't have those receptors in there. And then I and, and those things worked. And we've used uh, good quality because most of them are garbage, but we've used good quality um, endocannabinoids for people to help them with stress and anxiety and and healing quicker from injuries and, um, you know, um, you know, all kinds of stuff, right. They're, they're very helpful. Seizures. And then I found out, yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Seizures, all kinds of stuff. So then I found out for, um, and sleep, all kinds of stuff. Then I found out from you about these nicotine receptors and instantly I'm like, if we have nicotine receptors, nicotine must be good for us. That was the first thing that I thought, because it was the same thing with the endocannabinoid receptors. 
And so tell us how you found out that nicotine is good for us. And for 70 years, we've probably been duped by system scientists and how this whole thing, how, 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 how nicotine and, and big tobacco merges in with, um, with the hospitals and the vaccine and the, it's, it's, it's crazy, but it's, yeah, it's, this is remarkable. It's too obvious now. Yeah, it's, it becomes very obvious actually as this has gone on. And no, when when I came across the remdesivir stuff, I didn't want to know about that. I didn't go on the NIH's website thinking I was going to find some death protocol that looked like a Holocaust concentration camp experiment behind ICUs in America. I didn't want to know that crap, uh, but I figured it out, and then I had to tell the world. Mm-hmm. Well, same thing here. When you're reading this paper from April of 2020, you ever seen Lord of the Rings, Tim? Yes, Lord of the very Rings. Long. Read the book. I read all the books too when I was a kid, but. Uh, the Lord of the Rings in that movies and in the books you'll read where this creature and all the hobbits will call the ring. It always is referenced this way. The one ring that rules them all, right? This study from France, April, 2020 of all studies related to COVID-19, anything, it is the study that rules them all. And what we learned there is that these nicotine receptors called alpha seven nicotine receptors are the target of venom proteins from every animal that's venomous. And everybody who got COVID, supposedly. COVID-19 was weaponized venoms that target nicotine receptors and create every single symptom you had from COVID and still struggle with long-hauler COVID symptoms. All right, so nicotine. Nicotine receptors are found in every cell of your nervous system, in your brain, spinal cord, your brain stem, and all peripheral nerves in your body, going out to your arms, legs, organs, all of it. All of them have nicotine receptors. Did you know that your spleen has nicotine receptors? Did you know your heart's loaded with nicotine receptors? Did you know every cell of your immune system, including T cells, B cells, macrophages, lymphocytes, all of them have nicotine receptors on them to tell them when to function and not function? And if you turn on the nicotine receptors, it tells them to go fight stuff and heal heal the body? Did you know your cells in your pancreas that make insulin? For a diabetic, this is important. The beta cells in your pancreas, did you know your beta cells are lined with nicotine receptors called alpha-7 nicotine receptors? Uh, To me, it's very odd for the last year and a half to learn that every cell like you with cannabinoids, when you learned about those receptors, it's been shocking to learn in my own personal life in the last two years, every single cell in the human body has nicotine receptors. And as you said, if God designed us this way and put nicotine receptors on every cell and then put plants on the earth before he put us here, that had nicotine in them, there must have been a reason. So for me in the last two years, what I've also learned is that nicotine is not only in tobacco plants. I didn't know that actually until about a year and a half ago. Nicotine, the second highest containing nicotine plant on earth is eggplant. I never knew that. Uh, The third highest is tomatoes. I never knew that. Did you know green tomatoes have 40 times the amount of nicotine as red tomatoes? All white potatoes you've ever eaten have nicotine. Every cauliflower, celery you've ever eaten has nicotine. And Tim, you and I did not create vegetables. God did. So God put nicotine in all these plants that we eat. Why why would he put that down here if we weren't supposed to benefit from it? All right, so he put nicotine in the plants. Then he put nicotine receptors inside of you. If you have a problem with nicotine and God the way he designed you, you take that up with him. Do not blame the chiropractor or the chemicalfreebody.com. Hero Tim James. God, well, I gotta, I gotta, all this. We did not do it. I gotta tell you guys too. It's like, it. I, I have. I. I have a really good. I don't know how I'd say this, but 
I see things and I'll see patterns. I just, I connect the dots on things. So a while back I'm out searching because I have all these people calling us for long haul COVID. What do I do? What do I do? We started, we found out that hyperbaric works um, three days a week. We found out then I, from, uh, I have an insider basically that works at, uh, not really an insider, I just have a, a business colleague that works at, up at the Sophia Institute with Dr. Klinghart. World-renowned healing doctor. You got to wait in line forever to see him. He's got an amazing institute up there. He's been healing people, all kinds of stuff. And they were also dealing with long-haul COVID. I said, what are you guys using? She said, nicotine. And I remember going, what? Like, <laughs> nicotine? I'm like, shit. You know, the first thing I'm thinking about is like, well, okay, I guess if it works. But, I mean, long-haul, I mean, that shit's addictive. So, because I'm thinking long-term about everything, but also the short-term, you know. And then so then later, I'm down at the Hippocrates Health Institute, and I'm talking to the manager at the at the store there, and he's like, we're, we're geeking out on all this stuff. He's into all these things, and, and he's like, yeah, he goes, I got these nicotine things here. And I go, nicotine? I'm like, what? This is now, like, within two weeks, it's come up twice, and, and, and I'm like, what's the deal with this? And he's like, well, it's for nootropic. It actually helps your brain function. He goes, but I, I only take it like two, three, four times a month because I, I don't want to be addicted to it. I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. So I'm still kind of fearful of this stuff, right? Because I just don't know. But I'm like, so I start telling people, I'm like, I don't know, but I've heard um, people are using it for long haul COVID. And now, Brian, why don't you, and then you come in and start talking about the nicotine. It was like, tick, 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 everything lined up. And I'm like, of course. So let's dispel the myth of nicotine and let's talk about that Harvard study and what you can do for the long haul. It's pretty cool. Yep. So everybody on the planet, including my wife, who struggled with two years of long hauler COVID symptoms of no taste or smell, ring in her ears that was like deafening, and then a brain fog, and then pots like standing up and getting really woozy and dizzy with vertigo. Her blood pressure would drop really significantly every time she stood up. So for two years, she had all everything except for the dizziness that started six months that the last six months of the two years so during that period she's really struggling and i'm like giving her everything you can think of nutritionally to help her when i uncover the snake venom aspect of covid and that nicotine is the antidote that blocks all venoms from binding to these receptors nicotine has a higher binding affinity to nicotine receptors than venoms do so in the body if nicotine is present like in smokers during covid since they had circulating nicotine in their body the nicotine was binding to the receptors the venom spike proteins couldn't attach because nicotine was already there and the body's not going to let go of nicotine to grab a uh, venom it holds on to nicotine for dear life over all other things okay well and i and i think from a common sense standpoint this is because what we're talking about here is we're talking about synthetic snake venoms that have been isolated in a laboratory from the real venom. And then not only are they, they bind to these, these receptors, these nicotine receptors, but they, they don't bind to it as strongly as what God created the natural nicotine in the eggplant or the tobacco or the tomato or the potato. Those are going to come in and they just picture it like a magnet going to the receptor where the nicotine is like a magnet and it's like 30 times more powerful of a magnet 30 than, times more powerful than than a synthetic snake venom magnet and just again give people an idea so snake venom comes in synthetically it's got a magnet we'll attach that and start screwing up lose your taste your smell your give you all these symptoms but then the big magnet comes in the natural occurring form of nicotine from a plant and bloop, kicks it out and goes into the in the body then to be removed exactly right so my wife didn't want to take nicotine either. 
she thought it was going to be addictive. And right. I just kept telling her, just use it for short term anyway, regardless, just do it. Until three days after my Watch the Water documentary came out and I put at the very top of it, this is like two years ago, I put at the very top of the credits, the antidote. Right when the thing ended, I put listed all my antidotes in a row and nicotine was number one. Three days later, I'm, I've done like 100 interviews, it felt like in those three days, and my wife was hearing the interviews, still refusing to take nicotine this whole time. She would not do it, was just afraid of it being addictive and didn't want to be addicted to it. And then this medical doctor out of Australia gets a hold of a media host to call me and tell me her report and her experience. Three days after I watched the water documentary, she it came to Australia. She's a medical doctor. She'd been diagnosed for two years with permanent hearing loss in her right ear because of COVID and was told she would have no hearing for life. So for two years, no hearing in her right ear. When she saw my watch the water documentary, she went and bought nicotine gum and started chewing it. And within 30 minutes, Tim, she reported that she felt air move through her ear in the first time in two years. And then 15 minutes after that, so 45 minutes after chewing the first piece of gum, a hundred percent of her hearing was restored. Mm -hmm. When my wife hears this report in an interview, she left my house, went to Costco, bought a case of Nicorette gum. Didn't even tell me for three days. <laughs> I walked down the hallway and here comes Jane that you've met and took us to dinner. She comes walking up to me and she, in the hallway of our house. And she goes, honey, I have something to confess. And then she pulls out from behind her back this big case from Costco of Nicorette gum. And I said, you've been chewing the gum? How long have you been doing that for? And she goes, three days. And then she starts to cry. And she says, uh, all of my symptoms are gone today on day three of chewing the gum. And it was the first time she had any relief of all of her symptoms. Now, none of those symptoms have returned, but she has chewed the gum every single day, two pieces of two milligram gum every day ever since. She will for the rest of her life. I wear a three and a half milligram nicotine patch every day on my body for two years now, and I will just to prevent all viruses. Did you hear what I said? This sounds really odd. <laughs> to prevent all viruses. Okay, now before I get to that part, I just want you to know that uh, I knew that nicotine saved her life, improved her symptoms, which is great, restored hearing in this medical doctor. People around the world are reporting exciting involvement. But still, I knew people were going to have a hard time with this addictive thing that we've all been programmed to believe about nicotine. So I went online to figure out, is nicotine addictive? And I couldn't believe it. You might want to look it up. Look it up on Google. Harvard, 2015, nicotine is not addictive. Harvard did a study in 2015. They wanted to know how addictive is cocaine, heroin, whatever else addictive things compared to, to nicotine in animal studies. And after months, they couldn't make any animals addicted to nicotine. So right here, this one. Uh, yeah, sure. Pull it up. See what that says. Oh, actually, look at the look at the one below there. No, sorry, go back and look at the one right below it. Harvard study from 2016: nicotine not addictive. You see that? <laughs> That's pretty funny. So they found that nicotine is not addictive. They found and published. You might not be able to find the link there in that, actually. Um, This one? Yeah, pull that up. Copy that and paste it, if that's not a link. But they actually found that nicotine by itself was not addictive. They couldn't even make an animal addicted to nicotine at all. So then Harvard did what's called FOIA request. Open up. Ah, there it is right there. A study of pyrazines and cigarettes. Yeah, there it is, right. And you can click the PDF to the top right. That'll open up a prettier view of this actual article. So this is the study, and you can blow it up. But I want to take you to the highlighted sections of this. What they what they did, just to follow, 
They did a FOIA request with the government to find out if nicotine is not addictive, why are tobacco products addictive? Because every tobacco tobacco product has this substance contains nicotine and it's addictive. But they found animals were never addicted to nicotine at all. And what they found was with FOIA request of the FDA, they found out, you'll see down there uh, in this whole article, you'll read that the tobacco giant hired chemists to come in in the 70s. And they said, if you add a chemical called pyrazines to your product, it will make anything you add it to addictive. So right there, bottom right uh, on the screen, you'll see tobacco manufacturers modified the designs of products by directly adding constituents to cigarettes that stimulate gustatory. I don't even know what that means. Tactile and olfactory nerve receptors and create chemosensory effects that could enhance elasticity and nicotine dosing, as well as strengthen sensory cueing to optimize the pleasure in smoking. Pyrazines, a class of chemosensory agents, comprise 15 of the 599 compounds on the list of cigarette ingredients provided by manufacturers to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services in 1994. Eight of the Mm. compounds on the list of additive agents are provided by the manufacturers to the FDA in 2011. If you go down, scroll down farther into this, they found that pyrazines are what are added to drugs to make them addictive or to cigarettes. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. There's a list. There's a highlighted part here I want to get to. Keep going. I don't know where it is. Keep going. Right there. Go up to the highlights right above the references. You'll see a little box. See the box? I want you to highlight the last highlight there. This one? Yep. Pyrazines may help to optimize nicotine delivery and dosing and promote addiction through cueing, learned behavior, and or direct effects. Just so you know, celery doesn't have pyrazines in it. That's why you're not addicted to celery, Tim James. Eggplants don't have pyrazines in them. That's why no one's addicted to eggplants. Nobody's addicted to tomatoes. That's because no one added pyrazines to tomatoes. The chemistry of nicotine, nicotine is not addictive. You've been lied to. The tobacco industry added pyrazines to make their tobacco products addictive, so you'd keep buying them back in the 70s. And pyrazines are usually added to components to make things aromatic, make it smell better, but it triggers an addiction response. So this is what I learned by doing this. I had no idea. And then it finally made sense to me. Smokers were the only, were the least human beings affected by COVID to end up in hospitals and dying over all other people on the planet. Smokers were the least affected. But the governments and our mainstream media has lied to us since May of 2020 that smokers are the highest at risk for COVID. So get your vaccine, smokers, or it's no better time than now to quit smoking, everybody. Well, yeah, they took our tax dollars and ran those ads. I remember that. Yes, they did. And Tim, did you know that uh, one month after my Watch the Water documentary came out, telling everybody that COVID-19 is weaponized snake venom that I believe they're delivering through the water systems, actually, not the air, which we talked about at our Healing for the Ages conference and showed the whole world how they did it using something called DNA plasmids. They never needed a virus to, to, to cause COVID. They just needed plasmids to do it. P-L-A-S-M-I-D-S. They've been manufacturing these for 72 years. But what you'll find in mainstream media, right? Like this, look, active smokers are at a higher risk of COVID-19 death. You know what's interesting about that? I want you to look up Wisconsin. There's actually a study. So what we're looking at right now, we're on NIH's... Uh, website and yeah, PubMed here, and it says active smokers are at higher risk of COVID-19 death, a, yep. sy- a systematic review and meta-analysis. 
Yep. So they're going to lie to you there in the, in the mainstream published literature. But, uh, you know, it was amazing. They took COVID-19 hospitalized patients in Wisconsin. Do you want me to go somewhere and look something up? Yeah, see if you can find this. We'll see if it's easy for you. I'll actually go to go to DuckDuckGo. Don't do it on Google. Let's try something. <laughs> okay, hold on. I think Google's going to block it. Watch this. Possibly. We'll do DuckDuckGo. And then I want you to type in, in DuckDuckGo, type in Wisconsin. COVID-19. Smokers. Nicotine patch. And hit enter. Nope. Uh, this one? Um, I was hoping it would just... Oh, go to the... Well, let's see. I, I know this is done in Wisconsin... We can yeah. just tell us about it. So in Wisconsin, what they found was any current smokers who got COVID and were in the COVID-19 hospital ward being treated for COVID, if they weren't recovering, what they did was they put a 21 milligram nicotine patch on them and 100% of all of them went home by day five. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, they just added more nicotine to the already smoker, current smoker, and they actually helped them survive. Anyway, I found that odd that they did that and uh, didn't publish that in any of the mainstream articles like you just pulled up, but it is published. It's just buried in a lot of stuff, and you got to put in the right words to figure it out. But anyway, yeah. nicotine is the perfect antidote to snake venoms and all venoms. Uh, I've been known worldwide as the remdesivir guy. Now I'm called the snake venom guy, and I'm called the nicotine guy. I will probably be the nicotine guy for the rest of my life. That's really how it feels. It's kind of weird, but uh, there's so many things involved with nicotine receptors in the human body that explain all diseases. Tim, I just found a study this morning. I wanted to know all of a sudden it just hit me. I was like, I wonder if there's alpha seven nicotine receptors in your skin topically. Oh my God. I had no idea that every, every layer of the skin has alpha seven nicotine receptors, including the outer surface of your skin. And they've done studies to prove psoriasis Acne, eczema can be cured with alpha-7 nicotine agonist, which nicotine is one of those. And I was like, oh my God, these alpha-7 nicotine receptors, they're actually targeting with glyphosate, all venoms in the world, including COVID and COVID-19 vaccines. And you're seeing a plethora of all kinds of diseases and outcomes. So the spike proteins of COVID are what made people sick. The spike proteins of COVID were actually weaponized snake venoms that were synthetically manufactured. I will actually share my screen now because I'll show you the, the actual thing that I had that I was going to show you. Okay, so recap. Nicotine is not addictive. It's the chemical pyrazine that they put in the t tobacco and lace the tobacco in the paper with. And so it becomes you become highly addictive to it. You have nicotine receptors everywhere in your body and you know, God would not put those there unless you need them. And nicotine is in eggplant. Nicotine is in potatoes and tomatoes and it's in tobacco. And the nicotine that bonds to your nicotine receptors from natural plant sources, again, is a very strong bond compared to a synthetic snake venom. It's not going to bond to those synthetic or those um, nicotine receptors very good because it's a it's a synthetic. It's not really that it's not natural 
And so when the nicotine naturally comes in, it dislodges the snake venom. Now the question is, you've mentioned it a couple of times, watch the water. How is this stuff getting everywhere and what do people do about it? Yeah, so I'll address that question right after I show everybody this because once okay. you see this, it's like, oh my God, it's even worse. So I keep saying there was two snakes they found were the origins of COVID. Well, in 2021, if you can see the screen, can you see it? Uh, it just says Dr. Artist started sharing screen, but I can't see nothing. Oh, really? All right, well, we'll stop sharing that then. Let's go to share screen and we'll go to this. There we go. You see it? Yep. Okay, good. I don't know why. Yeah. That one. All right, hold on. Stay there. Don't move. We're on it. I saw that one. Where's my share? There it is. Okay. So share. Give everybody a moment to let all this sink in. Yeah, I'll give you a second. I wonder why it doesn't want to pull that up. Okay, never mind. We're going to do this instead. Fly over. Now I'm going to go. Every time I hit stop screen, screen share, it takes it away. So let's see if we can find it here. Okay, I have it here. All right, you tell me if you see this. Okay. Yep. We you can do? see it. Yep. What do you see? Toxic like peptides in plasma, urine, and fecal samples Very from COVID-19 patients. That's what I'm trying to show you there, buddy. Okay, good. All right. Um, but why don't I see it on my screen? That's funny. It's on that screen, but not on my screen. <laughs> so weird. Yeah, this is the Italian scientist confirmed 36 animal venoms only in COVID-19 positive patients' bodies. Oh, wait, can you read that? Yeah. Okay. Is it? No, okay. I have to stop this. I don't know why it's not doing it from this side. I, all I see is the first slide. Okay. All right, so in Jen, sorry, in 2021, what I'm going to do, Tim, is I'll just send you this entire presentation. You can share it with your audiences or tie it okay. to your podcast. I'll send it to you by email. All right, so in 2021, Italian researchers decided to publish their findings from June of 2020. So two months after the French researchers said the spike proteins of COVID were identical to two snakes venoms. But these researchers in June of 2020 in Italy decided to do something different. They went around all of Italy and they decided to PCR test people that were sick and those that weren't sick. And for multiple cities around Italy, they decided to collect their blood, urine, and feces samples. And they sent them off and they wanted to know are you seeing, are you seeing me? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, I'll stop sharing. I'm like, I hope you can see. All right. So what they found was, is in the blood and in the feces of only the COVID-19 positive groups, they had a total of 39 different, sorry, 36 different venoms from different creatures in their blood and in their feces. There was venom of 20 different snakes inside of COVID-19 patients, blood and feces. There's over 16 different venoms from marine shell creatures in the ocean. So I'm going to run through what these were. What they found was 20 different snake venoms, including the first snake venom they found was bungarotoxin from the crate snake. The second venom they found was from the banded crate snake. 
Then they found Uruguayan coral snake venom. They found Chinese cobra, Malayan spitting cobra venom in the COVID patients. They found Eastern brown snake venoms, multiple of them from Indian snakes, India. They also found McClay's water snake venom, a viper out of Brazil called the Jaracas vipers venom, oscillated saw-scaled viper venom, Korean slimosa snake venom. They found Chinese water moccasin venom, king cobra venom, and elegant pit viper venoms, multiple, inside the COVID-19 positive patient's blood and feces. Then they found venom from a starfish in the ocean called the crown of thorn starfish in their bodies. And they found California cone snail venoms, also snails that live on the ocean floor all over the world. Their venoms, 15 different cone snail venoms called conotoxins, were found in only the COVID-19 positive group of Italian patients. Well, that explains everything. Everybody, they, they must have went to the beach and got bit by all them snakes and then got stung in the ocean when they were waiting out there. Exactly right. So these researchers not only found just two snakes God. venoms, they found way more than that. And so that's what I joke about with everybody in audiences. I'm like, I guess all these people from different cities in Italy went scuba diving together or snorkeling together and all got bit by the same cone snails, starfish. And then they all went to Uruguay, Malaysia, China, India to get bit by all these snakes at the same time, only develop COVID symptoms a week later. That's about the ridiculousness of what they have to tell you. Now, this is what's cool about this actual study. These researchers in Italy took three different lab testing techniques to confirm, is there really venom in these bodies? Is it really venom? And if it is, can we identify the animal source that it comes from? And in order to figure this out and be able to come up with these determinations, they had to run three types of lab tests. In Italy, they ran mass spectrometry tests and then what's called liquid chromatography tests. And then to determine, can we figure out if these venoms came from a certain animal, they had to send the blood, urine, and feces samples to Germany to be tested with something called ion fractioning. And this gassy-like testing using gases can identify and break apart the elements that they were testing, blood, urine, and feces, and determine the gene sequencing specific to what animal. So when they confirmed 20 different snake venoms, and 16 different marine shell creature venoms in the patient's bodies that were only COVID positive. They didn't find a single one of these animal venoms, by the way, in the negative group. And this was in June of 2020 before anyone in the audience says, hey, Tim, were any of those people vaccinated for COVID? Nope, none of them were. This was done in June of 2020. The shots didn't come out until December of 2020. So these were all just people with COVID. It just didn't get published in the mainstream uh, medical journals until October of 2021. And I have a lot of reasons why I think it took that long to get it approved and mm -hmm. peer reviewed, but uh, I'm sure they didn't want that actually coming to light. So every single venom, I'll send this to you. Remember, if people look at this chart, just know the far right column tells you all the animal sources from the venoms. The fourth column from the left is titled protein name, and it has highlighted in colors what is the specific protein from that venom of the named animal in the same row that they found in COVID patients. Every single damn symptom of COVID-19 is explained by those individual venom proteins found by Carlo Brogna in Italy in this study. I can show you the venom protein that caused 
every single symptom of COVID. For example, in the list. Oh, you should actually, I'm going to let you pull this up. Ready? Pull it up. I want your audiences to see it. Even though I can't do it through screen sharing, you need to see us. And what, where am I going? I want you to type in toxin like peptides. Well, hold on a second. Let me switch. And I was going to show them like now um, there's another article here. It says erectile issues got you down. Scientists say a banana spider bite could be all that it takes. <laughs> and they're using venom of a spider to treat erectile dysfunction. One of the side effects is death, but at least you die with a heart on. All right. Let yep. me keep going here. It's so they're so using ve- venoms. How many how many uh, pharmaceutical drugs do you know of that are using for venom? And can you over a hundred? In fact, anybody in your audience right now that's actually taking a drug that ends with pril for high blood pressure, lisinopril, inapril, uh, captopril, since nineteen eighty one, all of those drugs are made from the the venom of a snake in Brazil called the Jaracas viper. Everyone with high blood pressure taking an ACE inhibitor, you are swallowing snake venom every single morning to lower your blood pressure. And if you've ever wondered why everybody on an ACE inhibitor for high blood pressure eventually dies of a heart attack and stroke and develops cancers, it's because snake venom does that. hundred it's, it's like a slow, slow, the slow dose. Yep. All what right, am I so looking up here? Why don't you go back to the internet and you're going to type in toxin-like peptides and urine. Toxin-like peptides in urine. Yep, that's it. And then, and then type Carlo, C-A-R-L-O, Brogna, B-R-O-G-N-A, and hit enter. Okay, sure. We're sure. going to show your audiences how to find this study so they can show all their buddies at home that everyone's got COVID. You've got a whole bunch of venoms inside of you. Open the first one. Now, when you come here, this is the National Institutes of Health. I want you to, right underneath that orange banner, click the blue DOI number. Click it. This takes you to the study. And then I want you to click PDF somewhere. There's going to be a P- click PDF. Get PDF. It's just to the right. Nope. The right of where you are in that column. Go down. Go down right there. It says PDF. Click it. You should download and you open it. All right. Zoom in. It's very demanding. Very demanding. Now go down to the <laughs> go down to results on the first page. Nope, right there. There we are. Toxin-like peptides, almost identical to toxic components of venoms from animals like conotoxins, phospholipases, phosphodiesterases, zinc metal destroying proteins, and bradykinins were identified in samples from COVID nineteen patients, but not in any of the control samples. Those that weren't negative. Okay, I want you to go down to table one. Where's table one? You'll get there. It's down here a while. Is right it right there? All right. Now it's sideways, but if you you see there's a little thing at the top, you can rotate it. There you go. Now I want you to slide over to the right. Do you see where it says Malayan crate snake? Yeah. These this is going to be four pages in a row, Tim, of all the venoms from different animals they found in COVID-19 positive patients. So on the right, you see crate snake. It goes down. You'll see coastal taipan snake, Malayan spitting cobra, all kinds of snakes. Keep going. You'll see eastern brown snake, Jaracus viper, yeah. Chinese water moccasin, king cobra. Keep going. Slate is saw viper, king. Yeah. Yep. You'll see crown of thorn starfish in pink there. You see it? Mm-hmm. You'll see all the cone snails. Now, to the left, 
fourth column from the left, you'll see titled each of these charts. It's titled protein name. This one? Up. Nope, go up. Yeah, go up to the top of any of those charts. There you go. See it in blue protein name. You see it? Yep, yep. That column, every single symptom of COVID-19 can be explained with these proteins from these venoms. So, for example, this venom protein, the first one from the crate snake, is called a Kunitz-type serine protease inhibitor called a bungarotoxin. This is crate snake venom. A Kunitz-type serine protease inhibitor, what you're reading in that little box, actually is another word for, a, for what's called a textilinin. And textilinin are little bitty proteins in the venom of this snake that cause you to develop rapid blood clots that cannot be torn down by even drugs or your own body. Have you heard about blood clotting from COVID? This is the venom protein that causes blood clotting from COVID. Now go to the next protein from the banded crate snake also. It's highlighted in green. It's called phospholipase A2. Then you're going to see the one right under there is phospholipase A2. Let's go to the one two underneath that one. You'll see green again, phospholipase A2. That's from what snake? Go to the right. Um, spitting cobra. A spitting cobra's venom is in COVID-19 patients. All right. I'm going to ask you, Tim, what do you know about phospholipase A2? Um, not a whole lot. Good. Now I want you to open up another tab. And I want you to type this into Google. Okay. University of Arizona. Like venom coursing through the body. And then I want you to open that paper. Yeah. And open up the first one. Read the whole title and subtitle. Like venom coursing through the body, researchers identify mechanisms driving COVID-19 mortality. Researchers have identified that what may be the key molecular mechanism responsible for COVID-19 mortality, an enzyme related to a neurotoxins found in rattlesnake venom. Interesting, was, uh, Tim. Okay. August 24th, 2021. <laughs> so in 2021, they found that what's killing COVID patients in hospitals is a high amount of an enzyme found in rattlesnake venom. Now, I want you to go back. Go back to the screens. We're not done here. <laughs> this is a big pill for people to swallow. Look at this chart. Do you see the words phospholipase A2 in green? Yeah. Good. I want you to go back to the Arizona study. And I want you to scroll down to like the second paragraph. Highlight the second paragraph, all of it, and then read it. This one? Yep. Researchers from the University of Arizona, in collaboration with Stony Brook University and Wake Forest School of Medicine, analyzed blood samples from two COVID-19 patient cohorts and found that circulation of the enzyme secreted phospholipase A2 group 2A or SPLA2 2A may be the most important factor in predicting which patients with severe COVID will eventually succumb to the virus. Good. So they found out that the one venom protein they found more than any other circulating in COVID-19 patients' blood was phospholipase A2. On this very first chart of the listed snake venoms found in COVID-19 patients, they found three different phospholipase A2 venom proteins 
from three different snakes. Name mm-hmm. the snakes. I want you to name the snakes. Uh, we've got uh, the banded crate. Yep. We've got the you uh, Uruguayan coral snake. Very good. And the uh, Malayan, Malayan spitting cobra. Good. Let's go to the next chart. Let's see how many is on that one. Fossil oh, there's another one here. There's another no. one. There's eastern brown snake. That's from India. Okay, next. Let's go to the next one. Are there any on this one? Uh, nope. Let's go to the next one. There's fossil lipase the, A2. The elegant pit viper. Good. What also about the next the, one? The habu snake. Is there any others? Um, Crown of thorns starfish has it. <laughs> there's actually like seven or eight phospholipase lipase A2s yeah. in this list of venom proteins. And this one causes of all the venoms i mentioned the very first one on the first chart kunitz type serine protease inhibitor it causes blood clotting which we saw with covid guess what phospholipase a2 does besides kill you it actually causes multiple organ failure and acute kidney failure which is what we saw with covid and that's Mm. exactly what phospholipase a2 does now watch this. This is what's really fun. When you get into this study, I want you to go back to the, the study. I'm serious. This one, I've never done this on a show. I'm going to take people through these proteins because what's going to happen is, is the people in the audience are going to be like, oh my God, this is what happened to me. Yeah, I know. This is what happened to you. Okay. Uh, now I want you to go down to the next chart. We're going to pick on one that most people never talk about. Right here. You see the blue one? It's yeah. called bradykinin, potentiating and C-type natriuretic peptides and that is from the jaracus viper in brazil i don't know if you guys know this but bradykinins is the actual enzyme found in venom that causes angioedema and there was a whole bunch of people in covid19 era who were in hospitals for angioedema and angioedema is caused by bradykinins in fact every angioedema drug they give somebody is an anti-bradykinin drug so look up on the screen now. Why don't you go to Google and Google images of angioedema and COVID-19 patients and click images and show the world what this looks like. Because most people don't know what angioedema, E-D-E-M-A. It's all oh, one yeah, word. Sorry. E-D-E-M-A and COVID-19. And now I want you to click images when this comes up. Click images. Let's see some pretty images of patients with COVID-19 and angioedema. Mm, Doesn't look fun. Yep. So you'll see the swelling lips, the swelling eyes. It's like they got bit by a snake. It does. Yep. So, and these are people not bit by a snake. Bradykinin creates angioedema. COVID-19 had tons of people reporting angioedema, which is swelling of the face, lips, eyes, even eyes swollen shut, uh, even due to to COVID-19. So, Bradykinins, finally, these proteins from the venoms of the Jaracus viper found in COVID-19 patients explains why anybody got angioedema with COVID-19, just so you know. Mm-hmm. And the venom drugs they would have used are anti-bradykinin drugs to reverse your symptoms. Uh, anyway, that's just another example. We can go back. Hopefully this is helpful. Crazy. When I said it is, every and symptom I, I want, related I, to COVID are super yeah, easy. I want to, because I got like three, four, five minutes, I got to bounce to another podcast, but... Um, so here's the deal. How do they, how do they get it out to us? Let's talk about the water really quick. Yep. So what they did is they engineered spike protein genes inside of plasmids, P-L-A-S-M-I-D. It's like a little circular DNA hula hoop and they insert a payload inside of it. And each of these venom, 
venom proteins are short little pieces of venom and they insert them into the plasmids and these plasmids tell the dna of mammals inside your cells the dna inside of bacteria and yeast in the environment and in our gut we have bacteria and yeast all in our bodies the dna plasmids get drawn into bacteria yeast in your mammal cells and they instruct the dna of those bacteria to replicate the payload inserted in the plasmid and so just so y'all know plasmids if it's helpful you might want to go to uh the nih's website nih.gov they have a pamphlet on understanding how the COVID-19 vaccines were made. They even show you what a DNA plasmids is, and that's what they put in the COVID-19 shots. DNA plasmids are delivered by injection into our plants. They're injected into our water systems. They're injected into our air, probably through these chemtrails and others, but they can be aerosolized. But in 2017 and 18, the government, our government conducted three studies to find out how do these DNA plasmids stay suspended in water? delivered to homes of Americans when we process the water with chlorine, ultraviolet light, or hydrogen peroxide. And they wanted to know, do any levels of UV light, chlorine, or uh, hydrogen peroxide destroy the DNA plasmids they're trying to deliver through the water, through your tap water? Now, DNA plasmids, they connect nanotechnology to those things, nanoparticles. They absorb right through your skin to get the venom inside of you. You swallow them in the water that you drink. You shower in it, it gets right in through your hair follicles and your pores and into your bloodstream. And that's how they got COVID inside of you. That's exactly how they're going to orchestrate all future viral pandemics. They're going to call Marburg, Ebola, you name it. West Nile, unless it's a mosquito they've engineered to inject you, it's going to come via water, most likely. Yeah. It's in the water. So the documentary uh, was put together by you and Stu Peters. So you can just type in watch the water. Yep. Uh, is it just watch the water and then Stu Peters and then it'll pull up? That's yep. how you I did actually, it. You actually watch, you can type in watch the water. There's also watch the water too. And if you go to my show, you might want to pull it up and show the audiences. But if you go to the doctorartistshow.com, I actually just did a documentary about two weeks ago in New York. And it is called The Antidote. And it's on my website's homepage. And it's free to watch. And everyone who has seen it has said it is the most thorough, well done interview they've seen yet of all the information we've brought. And that was just three weeks ago. No way, it's so not doctorartistshow.com. It's on the homepage. The yeah, I just I'm just trying to pull it up. It's maybe it just didn't there. I don't know why it's not going. It's weird. Hmm. You did they take you down? That would be awesome if they did it on this interview. Then I know just how powerful you really are, Tim. <laughs> and I know just how connected you really are, Tim. Well, you know, I've been loud mouthing about truth, freedom, and health. I can't reach this one. Yeah, there you go. Click the Dr. Art show. See if that'll open for you. Now scroll up or scroll down. Sorry, a little bit. It's right below there. You see the antidote right there. Watch now. Okay. Okay. That, that has all this information and we show it all to you in there. It's very well done by Jason Shurka and his team out of Hollywood, actually. Okay, sweet. Awesome. Well, um, Man, I wish I didn't have to go right now because I would I wanted to keep going, but um, we'll 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 do another one. But the thing of it is, guys, is you have to understand. Like, when you have to think about this, like, you know, in my experience, I I, I see like a very world renowned doctor using nicotine for long haul COVID. I run this other guy he's using nicotine for the hype, you know, for his mental clarity. 
Then I run into Dr. Artis. He's like, yeah, we have all these nicotine receptors. Talks about the venom and it all just lines up. And it's like, so the solution here, why don't you tell them about the solution you found for long haul and then what you're doing on the daily? I know you mentioned it earlier. Yeah, this is really phenomenal, actually. Uh, there's actually a study titled Post-COVID Syndrome is the title. Post-COVID Syndrome and Nicotine Administration. It just came out January of this year. Scientists took individuals with long hauler COVID symptoms and they asked them to just wear a seven milligram nicotine patch, which is the lowest dose that they make. Asked them to wear these for six days only, a new one every day for six days, putting a new one on each morning. And these individuals had to have long hauler COVID symptoms for up to a year and a half or longer without any remorse or remittance. And so they asked them to wear these nicotine patches and Tim James, a hundred percent of all of their symptoms disappeared in just days of wearing six days worth of a seven milligram nicotine patch. And as they reported, not a single participant six months, even later had a single symptom return and not a single participant that wore the nicotine patches actually stated they felt a dependence or a want or need for nicotine afterwards. And, th and they said there must be no addictive quality to the nicotine patches. So no need to worry people who try this. So there you go, guys. Uh, it's big news. Number one, nicotine's not bad. It's good for you. Why? Because God put nicotine receptors all over your epithelial uh, cells, period. Everything in your body is skin. This is, these receptors are everywhere. The, the synthetic viper, cobra, crate, snake, uh, proteins, venoms were synthesized. They attach to the nicotine receptors. That's why real nicotine coming through will dislodge them. It's stronger. It knocks them out of there. Um, we have, um, a simple solution. Um, all of us do, uh, which is nicotine. Um, you can do patches, you can eat lots of eggplant. There's just things Tim, to do there. Tim, yeah. before you jump off, we got to tell the whole world, if you're paying attention to mainstream media, this will finally tell you why it is Canada, Australia, New Zealand, the United States of America, and England have all introduced this year, new health agendas for their entire countries where they are going to ban all tobacco products access by the year 2030 in those countries. And if you've seen, what did Joe Biden do last month? Joe Biden of the United States of America just said he's going to be the first president in United States history to lower the amount of nicotine allowed in all tobacco products manufactured moving forward. There's a reason why they're attacking nicotine and getting it out of circulation. Nicotine is the antidote to their depopulation agenda. In order to get you sick, they have to make you sick to get you to volunteer yourself for a vaccine agenda. They're not stopping the agendas for vaccines. They have to make you sick. The nicotine receptors are the receptor target. You want to protect those? You wear a three and a half milligram nicotine patch like I do every day, or you chew a two milligram piece of gum if you want to that's a nicotine laced, or you start smoking organic tobacco plants. Do not smoke commercial tobacco products. I don't even like smoking, period. And I do not recommend that to anybody anyway. But uh, nicotine agents, they got pouches, gums. The greatest patches that are the cleanest are called rugby brand. They're at Amazon. Rugby like the sport. And then the cleanest gums and suckets we could find are with a company called Lucy, L-U-C-Y. Yeah, um, I, I had... I, my thing is, is like, I'm assuming that rugby in these places, they're going to start lacing that stuff with more chemicals and crap. So get them all you can before they mess everything can. up, stock up on them. And, um, I mean, that's it. I mean, it's, it's groundbreaking stuff. I mean, for everybody now, you know, 
what COVID is. It's synthetic snake venom. It's been pushed out in the water supply. Um, we're not even going to get into gene edited foods because it's probably in your cucumbers coming to you next next week. Sure. Um, and um, and then also in the vaccinations, they're hijacking cells and getting your body and your bacteria and the yeast in your body to manufacture the snake venom inside Absolutely. of you. So these are the two things going on. And so I guess the last thing, Brian, is like, what do people do to stop the bacteria and the yeast from and your own cells from replicating? This is actually a great question. This is actually why we, one of the reasons why we created the Healing for the Ages conference we did a month ago. We actually discuss all of the ways they created the COVID 19 pandemic using plasmids, why they needed 5G radiation, how they utilized E. coli and yeast to help them manufacture the spike proteins that are venoms, uh, and then how it is they use blue light technology in our laptops, cell phones, LED lights to actually do the gene editing once the venom's being produced and how 5G increases bacteria and yeast replication, meaning you're going to grow more bacteria and yeast as you're exposed to 5G. We actually lay that out at healingfortheages.com. Go there and get it. If uh, there's no code for you, maybe just put in artist, my last name, A-R-D-I-S. It just saves $50, $50 off of buying the yeah. post-production videos. PowerPoint presentations come with the purchase with all of the antidotes, all the research studies, all the links, a 14-day action plan of how to implement all those solutions of how to clear the E. coli and yeast from your body and test to see if you have it. And then what you can do to actually protect your families from EMFs, 5G radiation, 6G radiation, and this gene editing technology they're introducing through the air, water, food to all of us. They're calling this COVID-19 pandemic. It was all orchestrated. There's many vectors of biological weapons. They needed 5G for the venoms, the bacteria and the yeast to manufacture those venoms. And we show it all at the Healing for the Ages. Yeah, so to get a deeper dive, guys, just go to healing healingoftheages.com. That's healingoftheages.com. Um, I, Brian, I couldn't remember if I had a code or not. If I do, the code's health hero. So try that one. If it doesn't work, just try type in artist. There you go. And that's it. So there you go. Go save yourself. I mean, and what actually, else is what there I'll to do? Is, make uh, for it real the, easy for people. Yeah, and what I'll do for the next, like, two weeks, you put in artists. I'm just going to, it doesn't matter who does it. Anybody puts in the name artist, I'm just going to give all the credit to, to Tim James here, and we'll send you some uh, commission there for it. That'll <laughs> okay, be good. I appreciate it. I just, the most important thing is that people, like, just have this information. It's like, you need to know this. Like, it's, you can take all the fear out of it, turn off the television, yep. turn off the stupid radio and the news. They're just lying to you 24-7. And, um... And there you go. Like, hey, so Tim, please... did you, did, hey, Tim and audiences, did you know that uh, a TV show was made on NBC in 2016 that told this whole story we just told on this podcast? Oh, yeah. Well, tell them there's black something, right? Go to Netflix and watch Blacklist, season yeah. four, episode 15. Everything I just told you about COVID was actually in that show. And the main character calls his symptoms in 2016, Corona of Death. And he see, drank. See. He drank the snake venom from a crate snake that was poisoned in his drink. It's called Blacklist Season 4, Episode what? 15. Episode 15. Now yeah, do it's... the math, Tim. What, what what do you get when you add 4 to 15? 19. Oh, my God. COVID-19. What? No. <laughs> All right. We'll let so you know ahead four, of time. Episode 15. All right, guys. That's it. So please share this episode. I really appreciate you guys listening. But more importantly on this episode, it's just share it. Like, I, I spent time here with Brian. We invested our time here together to get this information. It's life-changing. You can go fact check all this stuff. Just remember, if you're looking at the fact check stuff online, if they say this stuff is bad, that's it's disinformation. They're just trying to divert you back into 
slavery. So we want you to get out of slavery. So that's why Brian's been running around talking every week and I've been doing what I do. So I hope that you guys will get off your butts and go share this episode like I'm doing and getting this information out. I can't everywhere in town I go, I'm telling everybody about this stuff and tell them to get nicotine patches. And, you know, I've always been about cleaning up your health, but there's no reason to live in fear when we know what's what we're being attacked by. It's literally like a synthetic snake deal. Get some nicotine in your life and you should be good to go. And and then, you know, obviously do all the other stuff we talk about getting healthy and clean up your gut and, you know, raising your vibrational frequency so you can have a better uh, spiritual path and we can all come together. So till next time, change yourself, change your world. And I'll see you guys again soon. Bye for now. Thanks for listening again to the Health Hero Show. I'm your host, Tim James. And remember, change yourself, change your world. And we'll see you again on the next episode. Talk to you soon. You have just listened to the Health Hero Show with Tim James. <laughs>